still works? Do you remember one of the first ones we did at this where we did a whole podcast and then I realized it wasn't turned on? I do remember that. It, I would like to say that it only happened once. Oh, no, I think it happened many it times. It has happened at least twice with you and I. But now I've learned that the flashy light needs to not flash. Flashing right. light, not flash. If it's flashing... It's not recording. It's not recording. Even though flashing to me, I know flashing no. to me implies yes. action. Yes. yes. Not here. But not here. Yeah. This is not action. It's cool though. It kind of like it's like a blast from the past with yeah, this I old recorder here like thing. This is I know this is the same one that Fred Flintstone used. <laughs> <laughs> his what, like, <laughs> I don't know if you listen to Fred Flintstone. Yeah, no, I like his podcast. It's very good. But, but he's, yeah, it's really good. I hate good. it when he does it while driving. That's right. <laughs> or when he calls for his wife. Yes, that's right. Do you know what they call it in e-biking? If you're if you're riding the bike without the motor, no, Flintstone. Flintstone, because you're just pedaling it out. You're, you're doing it old-fashioned. Yeah. You're pedaling out, man. Yeah. You're you're pedaling with a modern Stone Age family. <laughs> Oh boy, hey everybody. It's the Pre-Accident Investigation Podcast. I'm Todd Conklin. It's good to hear your voice. Or, well, I'm not. Okay, I can't hear you. It's good to pretend I can hear your voice. It's good to see you, even though I can't see you either. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> just, just keep restarting. I'm pretty excited about today's podcast. I think you'll find it to be a joy. I love these ones. And I don't do this enough, and I don't really have an excuse, except that I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to do more of these, because I think more of these would be fun. But this is a, this one of those podcasts where you set up a microphone and you just talk. And so that's what you're about to enjoy, and I think you're going to enjoy it immensely. Other than that, how are you? Good? It's been a crazy time. It's kind of the busy time of year which always sort of surprises me that October itself would be busy like it is because uh, then there's November, the month of my birth, just in case you were, you're planning on celebrating. And then December, which is my favorite month. I don't need to tell you. I mean, you know that better than anybody. And then the year starts again. So it does kind of slow down a little bit professionally, but it picks up personally. Maybe that's, that's the way I should talk about it. But man, there's a bunch of exciting stuff coming up. The big meeting in February in Australia. I'll see all you guys in the Southern Hemisphere, and that'll be fun. Uh, and every it's like it's like everyone's going to be there, so it's going to be a, like a family reunion. That'll be great um, and fun, and then all sorts of stuff. I mean, just all sorts of stuff around the corner. So it's now at least in New Mexico becoming autumnal which is my favorite time of year. I think I like autumn mostly because of the way New Mexico smells, which either you get that or you don't get it. It's either confusing or not confusing, but there's definitely a kind of this interesting set of smells. And a lot of it is roasted chili and pinon pine. And that is like the perfect combination of aromas. I hope all of you, that's my wish, is I hope all of you get to enjoy that smell. You you come into town, you roll down the window, and you just kind of revel in that smell. Because it's really, I don't know, it makes me think of being at home, which is always a great thing to think about and super fun as well. So that's good and exciting and all sorts of 
interesting uh, positive vibes because people are starting to put up chili, so they're going to buy chilies and then freeze them, put them in little baggies, and then use them to make enchiladas and tacos and all sorts of food, which will be great. Perfect almost, if you ask me. And me, you know, I'm uh, enjoying seeing people. That's been really fun. And uh, spending more time than I want to at the airport because I'm pretty convinced every second you spend at the airport is a second of your life you're not getting back. And I'm about 100% convinced that um, there's nothing good that happens in airports. Maybe I'm just negative and kind of being an old man, which I've got that in me. Or maybe I've just done being in airports, which I kind of think is the latter of the two. But I haven't gotten in trouble in a while. No one's yelled at me, um, so that's a plus. And, um, you know, I'm getting to hang out and spend time walking around and sitting in weird chairs, which is pretty much what airports are filled with, weird chairs. And they're getting weirder, which is interesting. Kind of more stylish, for sure. But they've kind of gone from chairs to blobs and counters with stools and everything's kind of interconnected and you can order food if you just scan the app you know that kind of stuff you 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 live through all this stuff as well as i do but other than that uh, i'm sort of uh talking about stuff that I, I really have no reason to talk about i mean it's just crazy that i'm talking about that stuff so let's move on from there and move forward and talk about the pod that you're about to hear so we were um <clears throat> at a big conference that was put on by the National Safety Council, and it was a meeting on human and organizational performance in Indianapolis, Indiana. And maybe a lot of you were there, because it was pretty fun. And afterwards, Bob Edwards took me aside and he said, hey, can you just set up a mic? I wanna invite some friends and have a conversation. And so that's what you heard at the beginning of this podcast is that conversation. What's interesting is that what we talked about was really this notion of what success looks like. Because you know that's our biggest, uh, it is a really big hurdle. It's our biggest challenge is that it's hard to know what success looks like. I mean, I think you see it, you know it when you see it, and you see it when you know it, but it's hard to measure things that don't happen. I mean, all those things we've talked about in great detail before. And so Bob said, I've got the perfect group of people to talk to, the perfect person and I would like to invite her to be a part of this conversation. And so that's exactly what you're about to hear. And I think you're going to enjoy it immensely. So hold on and I'll tell you more about it. But l sit back and listen, because I think you'll find this conversation to be a lot of fun. Take it away, Bob. Yeah, so because you almost, I should say to be fair, you almost did this entire introduction without the thing so now the thing's set up right now you can... but it's been running the whole time so i and that's yes. good because you know we always edit out anything that doesn't make sense or whatever right yeah. people say that sometimes you'll edit that out and i was like sure sure of course <laughs> i will there. <laughs> so uh, i wanted you to, to meet jennifer gidley from precision drilling and i've been spending some time with them doing some great work but there's a story that happened with um kind of the leadership and the learning team and the leaders being in this workshop and then leaving when we did the learning team. And Jen, what did you see happen here that you thought was interesting? I mean, learning teams are always interesting, but not the, not the learning team. Try not to talk about those a bunch, but the interaction with Darren 
right? My hero, Darren. You know, <laughs> he like, has don't, Darren. Please don't talk more about Darren. He's already got a big enough head. He will be hard to deal with now. His ego is going to be... Now, is that up. Darren's real name or is that his real name? Okay, okay. That's his real actual, name. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Use, let's call him Darren. Yeah, yeah. This, this is a hypothetical situation with Darren. Yeah. So what 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 did you see transpire as we did? It really, it was two learning teams, but two sessions each. So four sessions, kind of the same people, two different topics. All that doesn't even matter. It's the interaction between the leadership and that learning team. Yeah. So we did uh, on the job, hands-on uh, learning team uh, training with Bob. And we did uh, two topics where we brought in uh, six, uh, there was a mix of technicians, repair and maintenance technicians, oh, and then um, rig crews. And so six each learning team. So in the morning we uh, kicked off in grand style. We had six leaders uh, in the room with but the, the whole coaches group. coaches were in there, right? Of the whole bunch of coaches, way more than I told Bob were going to be there. <laughs> so I really pulled one over on him there. Um, and so we were going to do these uh, learning teams. So we were going to do uh, two topics over two days. And what was really great is we did the joint leadership message, and then we left the room, and Bob went through the whole process, and we would come back in after they did the learning team, and the, the, the participants would start sharing kind of their learnings and, and, you know, really their experience of the learning team. And Darren kicked the person off. Darren kicked him off. He was, that's Darren kicked started, him off, right? and uh, he was actually the one, when we would go back into the room, he would ask, how was the experience? You know, what's showing up for you? And uh, so he was really forming a relationship with the learning team participants. And so as the day and as the sessions went on, you know, we would follow Bob's lead where the leaders would come in the room, and then he would kick us out, we would leave the room. Uh, but the crew started saying, well, you know, Darren, if you'd like to stay. Yeah. So the, first, the very first <laughs> one, though, Todd, they said very little to him. Right, right of course. So that's right. And then after that, everything went good, and Darren thanked them. And then the second session... They talked more with him, and then it was like, well, he can come in for a bit if he wants to. It was like 15 minutes turned into 30 minutes. He just came in on that third session and just sat down with us after we got started. And so they, and then we would break, you know, and then here come all the leadership, and we'd talk about how it was going. And what was powerful was the last session, I said, should we have Darren come in again? And they said, what? Let's bring all the leaders back they in. They the whole room. leadership team. They like six whole... leaders came in and sat down with the learning team. And they talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. It just like you and I are talking yeah. about e-bikes and my old boat, right? What do you What do you think? What do you? Because that's really unusual. I mean, that's, especially that. Fast, I don't know right? very many cases. I don't know if I've ever heard this. Actually. Yeah, well, I mean, and it's always our goal that we get more comfortable talking yeah, about yeah, leadership, yeah. right? But and I've had people. I've had it happen a couple of times where the leader sponsor person, after a couple of sessions, can stay in a bit. But I've never had the learning team unanimously say. We don't care. Bring them all back in here. What do you think was the difference? Is, did, well, I know what I think. What do you think happened, Jen? So I think it was, so I, our culture is we have constant presence of the leadership team. So the leaders' names aren't foreign right. to so the rig crew. So, so at the very least, they know the names. And then I think the other thing is uh, just constant presence. So we don't just go and, you know, kick off meetings and then leave and go back to a different office or, 
are, we're constantly participating in these kinds of things. So I, I think that in general, a lot of our rigs are a bit used to having us around. But I think that in this case, and, and Bob, correct me if I'm wrong, they, they spoke up so quickly with, well, are you going to fire me? Are we going to get in trouble? Uh, we had that one gentleman actually say, well, what did you think about our feedback? Do you think we're just a bunch of whiners and complainers? Mm -hmm. and, and so we were able to address these, these questions and concerns straight you know, straight on with them uh, in the same room, face-to-face -face in person. And I think the other thing, too, that happened is a lot of our operations leaders, well, all of our operations leaders, um, actually rig worked on precision drilling rigs. Yeah, so that makes a difference. So yep. not just in the industry, but on our rigs, worked themselves up from roughnecks all the way up to, to executive positions. And, and the crews really, they could identify with that, and, and they, were, they, were, they were just pretty trusting straight away. Well, there's something beautiful about in a learning team asking the boss if you're going to get fired. Yeah, I know, I mean, right? that's I really like that because... You put the boss kind of in a spot where yeah. um, it's, a, it's a pretty good idea, really. Well, you remember Scott O at my site used to say, nobody's getting in trouble here. We know nobody been to do right. this. Yeah, it's more, what is it Georgia Pacific says all the time? The value proposition for learning is greater than the value proposition right. for blaming. Which is true. Right, but this is an, an operator asking a person who has the power to fire him. It's okay, because I'll tell you the truth, but if I get fired and them say no, we actually want you to tell the truth. But it was interesting, Todd, because that same group with that same person, this hypothetical Darren. Yes, um, the Darren. <laughs> the Darren person. Darren, right? Darren quotes, and air yeah. quotes. Um, the, the comfort level happened very quickly as they began to share, and then the leaders would come back in, and they would learn right there with us. And it wasn't like this, lat at the end, we do a presentation and report it. No, they went on the journey with us, and I would even ask them, hey, before we do our next learning session to the leadership team, what do you, I know what I'm curious about, I'm always curious. Right? I said, what are you guys curious about? And several of the leaders are like, you know, I really like to know about this. Or I wish we knew more about this. It reminds situation. me of something Mark Yeston says uh, that comes out of like the high-performing teams in the National Park Service search and rescue. That in order for you to have, in order for you to have the permission to be there when a team fails, you have to be there when the team's not failing. And I think it really speaks to Precision's culture, though. I mean. You, how easy is it for a worker to tell the truth to management? Uh, previously, it wasn't that easy. So that's a change. This that has a been change. a significant change in the last several years, um, all the way to the CEO. So uh, the CEO uh, makes a real point to be in the field and makes a real point to, when he's talking to the field, say, this is not about what I want to hear. This is about what your reality is. And we can't help you if we don't know the truth. So, so as a leadership team hat, so change your hats, even though you're not wearing a hat, but if you were <laughs> If I was. Team, how much better is it to learn, to learn about operational drift and potential bad news early? Do you think you guys function better as a leadership team because, because they talk about problems earlier? Well, it's been a game changer. It's been a game changer not only for the cohesiveness mm -hmm. of our leadership team, but it's opened this line of dialogue between you know this this office and the field. It's opened this dialogue, and the defenses are down. Right. And 
the, the, we actually can't keep up with some of the improvements and the ideas and the processes that are now coming, whereby just a few years ago, if you asked how's everything going in the field, everything was fine. Everything's everything fine. was good. Yeah. Well, it's, and the premise, I mean, it's not a premise, it's, it's a fact. Identifying problems earlier, they're cheaper, um, safer, much more operationally stable to fix them early, to fix problems going on, not problems that have gone on. So I, I would think from a leadership standpoint, there's a palpable difference in how when you identify those problems early, I mean, you almost have, put quotes around this too, but you almost have unlimited ways to fix it. I mean, of course there's limitations. Absolutely. But, but if, I, if I found out early, you know, I can fix them better, faster, cheaper, because I have more time to sort of play with. And as always, we're going into most of their ideas. They're all, they're all team-led ideas. Yeah, and most of them are very practical, practical. And, and everybody did not want a new Ford F-150. Sorry, Sean Cosling. I, I want them to buy your Ford F-150, but uh, Sean. Lightning. Yeah. Ford F-150, lightning. lightning. That's right. Lightning. Uh, but nobody asked for a new truck or a new, they just a very tactical and practical thing. That's what we do. So yeah. what's this mean for the future? How will you, how will you sustain this? So what we have is we are building a team of learning team uh, facilitators, uh, learning team coaches, and uh, we're starting that deployment now in the next couple of weeks. And we're starting with operational hazards and controls. So we're going to be looking at critical controls. We're going to be looking at critical steps. And so our group of learning team facilitators is made up of our operations team members, of some safety team members, of some audit members. Uh, and so we're going to be taking this uh, through our entire drilling operations, really be looking at our critical steps and our critical controls. So it's interesting with the facilitators, I can't decide if that's a good idea or not a good idea. Because I can tell you one thing Bob and I share, completely separate, no intention, is that once we got learning teams up in our organizations, they kind of took off. But one of my favorite stories is we were at a Bob site years ago, and we were in kind of a dog and pony show. They were touring some people around, which they did kind of a lot of your boats mm -hmm. and me. And we turned a corner and walked into a learning team that was doing flip chart work out on the production floor. No permission. I didn't I mean, know. Nobody knew it was a problem. Didn't they know, didn't, yeah. It wasn't formal. They just swarmed together a team because they were so comfortable doing it and were actually working a real-time problem in in situ and in place. And you know, I started with having a handful of coaches. That's how I started too. Yeah, it's I think it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, to get you started and get you some some people kind of skilled up and comfortable with it. But yeah. you're right, it takes on. Well, in my case, the regulator asked me, how many of these learning teams do you have? And I had to look at the regulator and say, we don't know. I mean, they do so many of them that yeah. we just stop tracking. And they do them at every level. And you'll know you're successful when you and by the way, I think you probably are quite successful. But you'll know, you'll know you're successful when they're doing a rig problem that's not a safety problem. And that's our real hope. Our real oh, hope will, is that we're, there. you know, we're propagating this yeah. and we're making it pervasive in the culture. Yeah. And that it's how we handle, you know, we do a lot of really great things every day. And so are we, let's learn about yeah. what we're doing well so we can repeat that. And so we can and have consistent I bet you a nickel, and I'm good for it. That if, if, once you get this kind of in this situation where people trust it and leadership trusts it, you're going to see a lot more problems than just a safety problem. Rig complexity, which you guys deal with all the time. I mean, that's, that's the crazy thing about your business is it's so adaptive 
almost beyond, it's almost impossible to proceduralize the work you do. Weird. Yeah, that's that's actually what we were doing learning teams on. We were doing uh, the two topics we were doing were just regular operational tasks that we do um, that have a lot of high risk in them. And a lot of variability. And a lot of variability. An unbelievable amount of variability in it. And how many flip chart papers did we have? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You helped uh, lead these things. Uh, uh, when the one team had like 13 or 14 pages, right, Martin? Yeah, it was 13 or 14 pages for one, and I did eight. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. And so, we even rotated out some of the different coaches because the coaches were learning. So we had coaches helping me lead the questions and coaches taking notes, and some took different style of notes. It was a really fun workshop. Hadn't done one quite like that before. But my favorite part was what happened with the leadership in that short time period where they. That's remarkable too. I mean, that's a, that's really an interesting. It's great and it's an interesting phenomenon. It's it's really good. I mean, what advice would you give anybody else that's thinking about these ideas? Where where did you learn? What would you have done differently? Anything? And I'm not sure that you may not have an answer to that. What would we have done differently? Um, I have been so concerned with getting it right. Um, and in some ways have been just kind of holding back the holding back the troops. They've been just wanting to get after and get after it, and I've just been so overly sensitive to getting it right. So I, I what I would do differently is just go give it a try and then, and then adapt, give it a try, adapt, practice it, adapt, um, and, and do that in, you know, smaller pockets, right? We wanted to do roll this out as a big North America drilling, you know, several thousand people all at once. And it, it's okay to start small. And it's okay to not have the complete plan and not know all the answers, but have an idea on how to get there and just try them out and test them out. I, that's good. And that's great advice, too. I'm not, I, I mean, I think they're hard to do wrong. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have, well, people have done them wrong. You can do them wrong, yeah, for sure. Especially, like, if after a learning team, some manager pulls somebody in and has to talk with them, right? Like, I, I didn't punish them. I just had to talk. Well, no, you, so there, there's some, like, that whole piece around this has got to be a safe place to talk. Um, but I think you're right. If you give it a, if you give it an honest try and you are actually in, interested in their world, people will open up to you and share. People want to. They like talking about what they do. Well, and it, le it leads to improvement. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, important message, and we shouldn't lose it in there, is that what happens is as, as leadership becomes more actively involved and as they're invited into the conversations, the naturally occurring phenomena is that things get better. Yeah, because now we know more, right? Yeah. Right? We, we think differently, we learn differently, and then we actually build yeah. differently. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. when you're defaulting toward improvement, when your default position is we're honest and tell the truth, yep. then, then sort of the battle's kind of, you're sort of winning before you start fighting it. Not to use battle metaphors, but, yeah. but why not? I'm yeah. gonna, I'm well, I mean, it's a really that's a really great story. Yeah. I love this part of it. So the rig hands the technicians. That's so we smart all, too. Well, we all introduced ourselves, and you know, with these executive titles, and they said, "I don't know who you are, but all of you have the power to fire us." So <laughs> we're not really sure what we're going to say, and and they're they said, "Well, we all know that you must be important because." You're all wearing a nice shirt. <laughs> and so what I now, really... Now, didn't say that about me, Todd. Is that what you're wearing today, Bob? But what I love is we didn't even discuss this. We didn't text each other that night or that morning. We all came the next day to the learning team 
in more casual blue jeans, cowboy boots, and yeah. And it was great. actually yeah. noticed by our rig crew and by our repair technicians. They said, "Oh, hey, you guys dressed down a little bit more casual yeah. today." And the day two, I wore a suit and tie. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> If you owned one, if I owned one, that's the one you're going to be buried in. Is <laughs> I know it? I don't even own one. <laughs> yeah, so you're right. That's right. That was even uh, uh, and, and Gene came in and just sat down. He's one of their head guys there. Came in and just sat down at one of the tables with the crews and not in the separate leadership table, but just everybody starting to get more comfortable. Right, we're all just a bunch of humans in the environment. Now. Yeah, I th this is really interesting too because I'm not sure every organization is going to have this kind of opportunity. Right, but if any organization that gets the opportunity, there's good learning here. Yep. They ask for leaders to be in the room. Yep, I mean, and and I've never had a, like six leaders invited in. They did it though, but they're also the six leaders set the workshop with us. So that was part of it. They showed enough interest. They didn't come yeah. in and say, "This is good stuff. Go do it, and we'll check in later." They actually were in the workshop with us, and they removed themselves for us to do the learning team. Then came back after the learning team. So I think their interest. And the fact that they all showed interest, you know, Brad and Corey and all these guys, right? They, I think the folks on the learning team were like, okay, maybe these women are legit here. They do want to, they do want to know. Okay, we'll tell them. But the proof would be in probably increased efficiency, reduced waste, probably just probably more effect, probably more operational effectiveness. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. I told you to be a good conversation. Yeah, this is yeah. great, man. Yeah. That's perfect. I even wrote Martin in for a bit there, and he was that's perfect. Yeah, Martin, there. you got tricked in there. Perfect. I did. Woohoo! All right. So, what do you think? I told you. I love these kind of podcasts. It's just kind of chit chatty. Uh, and anytime you spend time with Bob and the whole, I thanks to everybody that was on that podcast. That was just brilliant. And it's just fun to just, I don't know, just sit around and talk about this stuff. And what's even better is that you got to hang out with us and see it was just just us i mean just we're just hanging out doing the stuff we do having a good time and making the best of it thanks for listening tell your friends anybody's welcome you know that i guess we got the ads off this thing i'm hearing a uh, pretty good feedback that the ads are gone 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 which is nice uh and i'll never make another comment about french fries again man that was controversial. I got in trouble over that by lots of people. But, uh, you know, that's you risk. That's when you live publicly like this, you risk. Risk is a part of it. Thanks for listening. Um, it means a lot. Learn something new every single day. Have as much fun as you possibly can. Be good to each other. Be kind to each other. That's important. Check in on one another. And for goodness sakes, you guys, be safe. Be safe.